Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We are so happy to share that the Basilica is open once again to the public for prayer and liturgy. Check out our hours at seatonshrine.org. Now here's Father Ted. So in today's gospel, we have this repeated insistence by Jesus about these requirements of being one of his disciples that are really not easy. And one of the perhaps harder things about being a disciple of Christ nowadays is the church, religion. Religion is not something which is very popular these days. And it's not just because when we come to church, you know, we have to wear these face masks. Nor is it, nor do I say that it's not popular just because out in society we see certain people very enraged against certain persons in the church's history, Junipero Serra, and they're tearing down his statues. Or there's other people that are saying we should tear down every statue of Jesus Christ as well because he is a symbol of white supremacy or something like that. I'm not saying that religion is unpopular just because of those instances, those events. I'm saying that religion is unpopular because of an unfortunate trend which we have seen in our nation and really in most of the world for a number of years now. Just recently in America, the number of nuns in the country has surpassed the, Ro- the number of Roman Catholics. Now, nuns are these, is this particular demographic that does not believe in any particular religion. They're not necessarily atheists, you know, they don't deny that God exists, but nor are they Christians, nor are they non-denominational, nor, they're, they're not Catholics, they, they deny or they do not practice anything. They do not adhere to any particular creed. And this is something which is becoming more and more prevalent, unfortunately. In fact, when you look at the demographics, the younger the age group, the more nuns there are in that age group. So, with that being the case, it's worth considering why we, or anybody for that matter, would actually belong to the Catholic Church. And one of the most important reasons for this comes up in today's Gospel. If you reject the Church, you are rejecting Jesus Christ. And notice how Jesus identifies himself with his apostles. He says, if anyone receives you, they are receiving me. And if we look at the Gospel of Luke, where he says that exact same thing, if anyone receives you, they receive me, he goes on to add that if anybody rejects you, they are rejecting me. And so the idea here is that there's such a close connection between Jesus Christ and his apostles that he is sending out that to reject the apostles is to reject Jesus Christ. You cannot have Jesus without the apostles and their message. And this connection between the two of them exists because of that authority that Christ has given them. Jesus said, you know, he sent them out to preach his word. They're like the ambassadors of Christ. Now, this connection between the apostles and Jesus, it has some very serious implications. Just imagine if you were living around the first century and up to your door comes Peter and he says, I want to tell you about something. And you say, no, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Or imagine if you you were to say in the first century, Jesus Christ is great, that Sermon on the Mount, I really love that, but 
this James guy is kind of annoying. He's just like getting on my nerves. He's only concerned about his own power, his own position. He just wants to have a throne. He wants to be seated at Jesus' right hand. So I reject him. Or, you know, we could also say, I love Jesus. I will follow Jesus to the end. But Thomas over here, he's kind of depressing. He's kind of a pessimistic guy. I don't want anything to do with him. That just doesn't work. If you want to be the friend of Jesus Christ, you don't start by denying and rejecting to be friends with his best friends. The relationship with Christ is something which includes the relationship with his friends, with his apostles. So if, we, in the, if somebody in the first century were to say, I receive Peter, I receive what Peter is saying, I believe what Peter is saying, he is receiving and accepting Jesus Christ. And this authority which Jesus Christ gave to his apostles that linked the apostles to him, it was initially just in those 12 men. It was just in that group that he sent out when he was on earth. And so they were the first ones to proclaim the word. But even back in the second century, so we're talking about between the year 100 and 200, there's this church father, this bishop by the name of Saint Irenaeus in modern-day France who notes that there are still people, or rather, the apostles passed on that authority that Christ gave them to their successors. So we see this even in scriptures where Judas betrayed the apostolic band, but he got replaced and somebody else was given the authority to preach in Jesus' name. Or so too, Paul, whenever he went somewhere to preach, he would always give somebody particular authority to preach when he, Paul, would move on. And this passing on of authority to preach in Jesus' name, we call that apostolic succession. It's something where this apostolic baton gets passed from one person to the, to the next down throughout the years, throughout the centuries, throughout the millennia at this point. And so we can establish an unbroken line, like this continuous series of succession, beginning with Jesus to the apostles, and then from the apostles all the way to each and every bishop and the pope himself that we have today, 2,000 years later. Just like all of us, you know, if we had more historical documents, we could trace our ancestry back to Adam and Eve, so too the bishops would be able to trace their ordination back to those original 12 men. And so the same authority that Jesus Christ gave the apostles 2,000 years ago has been passed on to the bishops and the Pope that we have today. And so if the rejection of Peter and all the other apostles 2,000 years ago meant the rejection of Jesus Christ, so too today the rejection of the bishops and the Pope is the same as the rejection of Christ. They are representatives of Christ here on earth. They are endowed with his authority to teach and lead. So we are called to accept them and if we accept them, we accept Christ who sent them. This is what M Mother Seton did when she converted. On March 14, 1805, she formally entered the church and she professed to believe everything that the church believed and taught. But she wrote in a letter to one of the Felici brothers, she said she laughed when she was by herself later on because she didn't really know what the, everything that the church taught. 
she was professing to believe it, but she didn't quite have clear up here. And most of us are probably in that same boat, where we're not able to fully enumerate each and every single paragraph in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Mother Seton was in the same boat as us. But she had such a strong faith that she recognized the hand of God working in the Church. And that is why she was willing to profess a belief in everything it taught. So this does not mean that every time a bishop opens his mouth or makes a decision, he is speaking on behalf of God. You know, bishops sometimes will say things which are erroneous by themselves. But when a bishop, or also bishops can sin, you know, that's something we see all the time. And so we need to be merciful with the bishops just like we hope to, that God will be merciful with us. But when all the bishops in the world, together with the Pope, teach something about faith or morals, it is the same as if Christ himself were teaching it. Now, this God-given authority, this unbroken line of apostolic succession, it's really what, it's what guarantees that we are on the right path, that we are on the way to our heavenly homeland, that we are living in accordance with the teachings of Jesus Christ. And it makes, and it guarantees as well, that the Catholic Church is a sure guide to salvation. And that's why the church is often called Noah's Ark. You know, we all know the story about Noah and the animals, right? So the animals were all saved from the destruction, from death, from the flood, because they got on board the boat, Noah's Ark. So too, we are saved from death of sin, spiritual death, by getting on board the boat of the church, the Ark. Or sometimes called Peter's Bark, or the, the boat of St. Peter. And it makes a lot of sense, too, to call it a boat. It saves us from floods, but also it helps us get places. You know, it's possible for us to have walked here from where we live. You know, we could have just opened up our doors and started to walk. We probably would have started at 6 a.m. or something, unless you live here in Emmitsburg. You could start a little bit later. But it's possible at times, if you know the way. But if then you want to go, perhaps, to some further destination, like you want to go to Chicago from Emmitsburg, you really, maybe you could make it walking, but it's not going to be that comfortable of a journey. And it's not guaranteed that you're actually going to show up at the right place either, and there's many other reasons why a vehicle is the, way to, is the thing that we want to do. When we want to go from one destination to another, we want a vehicle, a car, a boat, a plane, something to take us there. And so too, when we want to go to our heavenly homeland, we don't just want to go by ourselves. We want to get on the boat that will take us through the chaotic, stormy waters of this life, to that heavenly destination. We need the boat of St. Peter, and that boat is in the church. And now somebody could say, you know, can't I just do that by myself? Can't I just connect with God by myself in my room in prayer? You know, why, why, like, why do I need the church here? And it's true. You, you can go to your room and pray, and pray directly to God, and in fact, you should be doing that. But that's not the only thing that we should be doing. There, why would we settle for that when there's something so much better out there? The church is going to facilitate that process. It's going to help us to get there faster, more surely, and in a holier manner. And that's the other thing. The church is not just here to make sure we, we one day show up in heaven. It's going to make sure that we live this life in the best way possible. We cannot fully develop into those persons that God made us to be without the help of the church. 
In my home state of California, we've got these, um, we've got the tallest trees in the world, sequoia trees, sequoia state national park, something like that. And these sequoia trees are massive. You know, you've probably seen the pictures of like a car that drove, that can drive through one of them, which they hollowed out. So it's just this trunk, which is, you know, 30 feet in diameter. So how do these trees, these massive trees that are fully developed, that are really reaching up to the heavens, how do they grow so tall? They don't have very deep roots. They have very wide roots that intermingle with the roots of all the other sequoia trees around them. And so a single sequoia tree looks like this giant, strong, monstrous, you know, uh, uh, part of nature. But if you were to cut all the trees around that one sequoia tree down, so that it no longer has the support of those other, tr those other root systems, as soon as the next storm comes, that tree, which looks so powerful and magnificent, is going to get toppled over by the wind. And that's where we are. Where, yes, we can develop and we can grow strong, but we need the support of those people around us to grow and develop like that sequoia tree. We are not supposed to go at it alone. We were made for community, supernatural community, and that will be found in the church. Now, all of this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are many other reasons we could describe in order to say like, why it makes sense to belong to the Catholic Church, but I think it's just helpful for us to remember that we are not just the members of any church. We are the members of the church that Jesus Christ founded. And what's more, it does make a big difference that we belong to his church. He made it for us. This is the way that the saints like Mother Seton have walked in order to achieve all that they did in life. And this is the way that we too are called to walk through life. And so let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary for that grace to have an increase of faith in the church of Christ and also gratitude that God has called us to this boat of St. Peter.